You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the Rand Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from Rand's latest research and commentary. It's April 14th. Over the last two decades, Americans have been disagreeing more and more about basic facts. This division is part of truth decay, a topic we've discussed previously on the show. Truth decay is defined as the declining role of facts and analysis in American public life. It's a phenomenon that we see play out every day, and it has serious consequences, such as undermining public trust in government institutions, contributing to political gridlock, and eroding civil discourse. According to a new RAND paper, truth decay is also affecting the country's security and stability. For example, truth decay could drive policymakers to more extreme positions, ultimately leading to political paralysis on important foreign policy and national security issues. And if policymakers are seeking information that simply conforms to their pre-existing views, a common practice in the truth decay era, then U.S. intelligence could appear less credible to them. Truth decay also makes the U.S. more vulnerable to foreign influence and information operations. Truth decay can even have a direct effect on national security institutions, such as the U.S. military. For instance, in 2021, the Department of Defense mandated vaccination against COVID-19 for active duty and ready reserve service members. It's important to note that mandatory military vaccination is not new or unusual. Vaccination for service members has been mandated since vaccines first became available. However, there was some resistance to the COVID vaccine mandate, resistance that was largely fueled by misinformation. And as of last July, nearly 7,000 service members had been separated from the military for refusing to get vaccinated. And even though a large majority of the military is vaccinated, this loss of nearly 7,000 personnel is not insignificant, especially given the cost of recruiting and training service members. Examples like this show how the spread of false information and other truth decay trends can be dangerous to U.S. security. The authors of our new paper explain the need to learn more about these vulnerabilities in order to address them. Otherwise, they say, truth decay will remain a strong weapon in the hand of American adversaries. You can read the full paper and all our resources on truth decay at rand.org slash truth decay. Two high-profile mass shootings, two weeks apart. The recent attacks in Nashville and Louisville are the latest reminders that gun violence in America shows no signs of stopping. Andrew Morrell, director of the RAND Gun Policy in America Initiative, discussed the issue in a recent episode of The Weeds, Vox Media's popular policy podcast. Much of the discussion centered on the possibility of reinstating an assault weapons ban, an idea that has gained significant public support as a potential tool to prevent mass shootings. Here's Morrell on what we know and don't know about the effects of an assault weapons ban which was previously in place in the U.S. from 1994 until 2004. It turns out it's, it's hard to evaluate what the effects of this 
ban were. Mm. I think most researchers now believe that the ban had probably mixed effects on gun violence. It may have reduced the use of assault weapons in gun crimes, but that seems to have been compensated for by other kinds of crimes. It didn't have an obvious effect on mass shootings, Mm. for instance. Although when the ban lapsed in 2004, mass shootings did start increasing and the share of those shootings that used assault weapons rose dramatically. Morale also broke down why it's difficult to discern the effects of many gun laws. In short, the problem has been a lack of data, he says. However, some gun laws do have data to back them up. For example, Rand found supportive evidence, that's the highest level of evidence in our research, that safe storage laws would prevent gun injuries and deaths among children. There's also supportive evidence that stand-your-ground laws increase firearm homicides. Morale conceded that it's hard to be optimistic when it comes to the issue of gun violence in America. But, he says, there is some reason to be hopeful. We now have more research going on and, and important findings coming out pretty regularly than we've had in decades, probably forever. To see how Rand is contributing to that growing body of evidence, visit rand.org slash gun policy. And be sure to check out Morale on the Weeds. It's a great conversation, and we'll link to it in the show notes. Ukraine is determined to reverse Russia's illegal seizure of Crimea. But Crimea's geography makes it difficult to invade. The Crimean Peninsula is connected to the rest of Ukraine by just a narrow strip of land. This allows Russian forces to fortify it at will, say RAND experts. Further, Ukraine lacks the amphibious capabilities that may be needed for a successful attack. This same geography, however, coupled with modern technology, could make it possible for Ukraine to conduct a modern-day siege of Crimea. Our researchers explain that Ukrainian forces could use uncrewed surface vessels, or USVs, to blockade and barrage Russian operations. Why USVs? Well, they're well-suited for networked swarm attacks, and they're relatively low cost. Their designs can also be modified to make them stealthier and harder to detect than most crewed vessels. And large-scale attacks using scores of USVs could inflict massive damage on Russian targets. Sinking a warship in a confined channel, for example, could create obstacles that would take weeks to clear. This approach may be Ukraine's best option, leaving Russian forces rattled by attacks, short of supplies, somewhat isolated, and therefore less capable. And overall, it allows Ukrainians to, quote, pin down and neuter the enemy in Crimea while they work to oust it from other parts of their country. Kids in foster care experience far worse educational outcomes than other students. This is partly because of the frequent school transfers associated with transitioning in or out of foster care. On top of this, there's a lack of collaboration between the child welfare and public education systems. A new RAND report explores how to improve collaboration between these two systems. To identify potential solutions, the authors interviewed both education and child welfare system representatives, as well as adults who were in foster care as kids. The findings revealed a few common barriers to collaboration. 
First, high staff turnover, particularly among caseworkers. Education and child welfare representatives who we interviewed acknowledged the immense stress and difficulty of casework and the related low retention of caseworkers. This is related to the second challenge. High turnover means that caseworkers often have too few opportunities to be trained in educational stability and support. And third, geographical differences were a major issue. In some states, caseworkers might need to make a three-hour drive to meet with a district liaison. Of course, these long distances also mean that students were sometimes subject to long commutes to maintain school stability. The report provides some basic recommendations at the local, state, and federal levels to overcome these barriers. The U.S. Army has missed its recruiting target twice in the past five years, by roughly 8% in 2018 and by 25% in 2022. While COVID shocks and a stronger job market may have hurt the Army's efforts in 2022, other services mostly made their recruiting quotas last year. To address this, Army recruiters may want to focus on slightly older individuals, and not just because doing so could help them hit their numbers. A recent RAND study finds that recruits in the 25 to 35 age range may perform better as soldiers in a few key areas than those aged 16 to 18. For instance, 25 to 35-year-old recruits were about 15% less likely to attrit because of poor performance than recruits ages 16 to 18, and about 6% more likely to re-enlist. In that same study, recruiters noted a perception that older recruits are more focused, more motivated, and ready to ship to basic training more quickly. Recruiters also told Rand that older recruits were more likely to walk into a recruiting station on their own, without targeted outreach. This indicates that there's room for increased efforts to target older individuals and inform them about opportunities with the Army. There may be yet another reason for the Army to focus its recruitment efforts on a slightly older audience. With recent layoffs affecting many highly skilled tech workers, targeting older individuals could help the Army meet its increased need for technical, cyber, and AI expertise. That's it for today's episode. You can learn more about the topics we discussed in the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. We'll see you next week. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis.